I, I do a podcast. I'm not, I'm not interested in your podcast. The anathema of God was for those who denied justification by faith alone. When that is at stake, we need to be on the battlefield exposing the air and combating the air. We are unabashedly, unashamedly Clarkian. And so the next few statements that I'm going to make, I'm probably going to step on all of the Vantillian toes at the same time. And this is what we do at Simple Reform on the radio, you know. We are polemical and polarizing Jesus style. I would first say that to characterize what we do as fashion is itself fashion. It's not hate, it's history, it's not fashion, it's the Bible. Jesus said, Woe to you and men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way, as opposed to blessed are you when you have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. It is on. We're taking the gloves off. It's time to battle. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Tim, and you are listening to Semper Reformanda Radio. So today is going to be a little bit different. Uh, today we're going to do uh, an interview, and I'm actually going to be the one who's being interviewed. Uh, I have with me Carlos Montijo, and um, we're going to talk about the letter that was just published titled, To the Members of Horizon Christian Fellowship. Now, this was a letter that I wrote specifically to the members of Horizon Christian Fellowship and really to the benefit of anybody else who's willing to read it. Uh, This was a very, very difficult letter to write. It was a very difficult letter to publish. So we're going to talk about that and just the experience of of walking through this controversy. So, Carlos, I'm just going to say thanks for joining me tonight and I'm going to hand it over to you uh, to ask uh, whatever questions uh, you wanted to ask and I'll just do my best to answer them Um, I do want to be careful with what I say because it is controversial and I don't want to expose certain people unnecessarily and so I'll just I'll hand it over to you yeah so we are addressing the article that you recently wrote uh, to the members of Horizon Christian Fellowship and it's going to be kind of interesting doing a role reversal here because I'll be asking you the questions as you said and and about what you wrote here and it's still the topic is still closely related to what we've been talking about uh, with respect to my article on John Piper uh, but this is more of a practical application you might say so what was the, I guess, what was the purpose of you writing this letter? Yeah, the, the purpose of writing the article was really simple. It was to warn the members there of what was going on and to bring to light the situation. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I think that when, when Christians are faced with difficult situations like this, they sometimes don't know how to respond 
you know, the, and let's just face it, this is painful. Nobody likes doing this. And people are going to misconstrue this. Like one person asked, you know, well, don't you think you should have taken this to them privately? <laughs> I was like, did you read the letter? Um, I took this to them privately multiple times in the course of almost two years. And it, it finally got to the point where the last conversation that I had with Pastor Cliff Barnes, really, um, there was just no, there was no way to talk about it. It was, uh, it was completely shut down. And so, um, because the gospel is at stake, and this is what people really need to understand, because the gospel is at stake, and stuff is being brought into the church, whether it's by books, recommendations, um, material that the church is using, which does have traces of a false gospel and does have a false gospel. Uh, some of this material does have a false gospel. This needed to be brought to light and this needed to be brought out into the open. This is a public dispute over the gospel. Um, and that was really the, the purpose of writing it was to warn the members, hey, if you are being told John Piper's a, a good guy and you should become his student, like one of the, uh, one of the elders, Raul uh, Mesa said, you know, he told uh, my friend David that he should maybe become John Piper's student. If that's the case, then you need to be warned about John Piper. And you also need to be warned and told that, you know, how this played out, that I, I really wanted to meet with them. And, you know, I'm glad that we have Pastor Hines on our podcast, on our, our um, podcast feed, because Pastor Hines has given our listeners a great example of what an elder should do in this situation. And I decided early on that as I was walking this out, okay, how should somebody in my position who doesn't have authority in the church that I'm attending, who is just a, a churchman, how, how can I confront this in a way that addresses the issue? And we've learned from past experiences where we, we try to, you know, talk to people about something and, and it's like, I don't agree, I don't agree, and, you know, nothing ever gets resolved. And I realized that eventually this had to come to a head. And so I spent a lot of time agonizing over this, like, how, how should I present this? And what I realized is it was simple. There's no neutrality here. There's no neutrality. This is the gospel. This is the life of the church. And so, you know, the example in the article that, that I gave was uh, Jesus when he's confronted by the Sadducees and um, they take him to task over, um, they, they try to stump him over with a question about marriage. And Jesus asks a very simple question. He says, I'll answer you if you answer me. And uh, I think this is uh, found in Matthew 22, if I remember correctly. Um, I'll look it up real quick. But um, you know, he, he asks them, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or from man? There's no neutrality. And if it's from heaven, then you're required to believe it. And if it's not from heaven, then you're 
required to call it out, but they he basically put them between a rock and a hard spot. And I realized this is this is my answer. This is what I need to do. This is how I need to approach the situation. And so when when I realized, you know, nothing nothing more can be said, I was completely shut down. Um yeah, and it's uh, it's Matthew chapter 22 verses uh 23 through um 33. And uh and I, I wrote about this in the article so I'd encourage people to to read that. Um I realized that the the members need to know what John Piper's saying. This has been brought to the elders. It's and they they wouldn't even listen or hear um I was denied the opportunity to have a conversation with them. And so the purpose of the letter was simple to, to warn the the members and to warn other people as well, which is why I published it on the website. Uh, A lot of people come to town and they ask, Hey, where do you go to church? And uh, I need them to know this is not where I go to church. Um, I don't recommend this church. Uh, that's that's tough to say, but I don't recommend this church. Yeah, so there's um early on in the article you say this, um in response to my article, Pastor Barnes said he wasn't sure what Piper was trying to say, and Pastor Valenzuela said he vehemently disagreed with me. Neither one of them agreed with me that Piper had detracted from the gospel and that they made no attempt to defend Piper and they made no attempt to defend Piper's statements. While there are some true statements in Piper's article, it also contains a doctrine that is fatal to the gospel. That doctrine is Piper's doctrine of final salvation. And you quote Piper saying, In final salvation at the last judgment, faith is confirmed by the sanctifying fruit it has borne, and we are saved through that fruit and that faith. As Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. And this, we've talked about this several times before on our on our previous episodes uh, about John Piper. But there are some interesting. Uh, th- there's an interesting thing that you bring up here. Um, there's so you make the point that uh, I'm gonna further on. You say the passage in Thessalonians states that God chose us to be quote to be saved through sanctification, not to be saved through the fruit of sanctification. Notice that Piper says, faith, quote, faith is confirmed by the sanctifying fruit it has borne. The fruit of sanctification is not itself sanctifying, and the passage does not say that we are saved through that fruit. Piper has made a critical error because he believes the, the fruit is sanctifying, and therefore he has read into the passage that we are saved through the fruit of sanctification. He says, quote, we are saved through that fruit and that faith. So, I think that's a very important point to I wanted to bring up because the passage is clearly saying he he God chose us as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. And as you pointed out, Piper is saying we're sanctified by the fruit and not so much the spirit's work of sanctification in us. And the interesting this is another really interesting thing because when I read your article, I realized something here that I, I didn't touch on, at least I didn't address in my article. 
and I don't know if anybody else has, but this passage, so if if you look at the quote that Piper says, and I think this is the, the article, Does God Really Save Us by, by Faith Alone? Is that the, I think that's it, right? It's a, uh, yes. So the first thing he says about this passage is in final salvation at the last judgment. But there's just one problem with that. It says nothing about final salvation or the last judgment. Th this passage has absolutely nothing to do with either one of those things. He eisegetes it in there. Well, the issue becomes that this is characteristic of Piper's eisegesis. And he, he repeatedly takes quotes like this one, which is not talking about the final judgment or final salvation at all. And he completely eisegetes his own false teaching into it and and sort of rephrases it in a way to make it sound like what he's saying uh, like to make it agree with what he's saying and it's really twisted because if you look at the context and i'm gonna let me pull it up i want to i'll read the passage so we can get the the fuller context here so in the preceding verses uh paul says Paul says this, and I'll start in, uh, so I'm going to start in verse 7, of 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now, restrain, who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed from the Lord, will be revealed, no, I'm sorry. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs of false wonders, and with all deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false, in order that they may be judged, that they all may be judged, who do not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. And verse 13 says, But we should... Always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. So in the preceding verse, it's talking about condemning uh, those under the deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. And it's, it's condemning them very clearly. But in the verse 13, it's talking about believers being chosen through and, and uh, God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification. So he's talking about election. He's not talking about the final judgment. He's talking about basically election. And then he continues in verse 14. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. So this is what I think is really important for people to realize what piper is doing he does this repeatedly and i mean it's pretty disturbing because the other passage that he loves to harp on is in uh hebrews, hebrews 12, 12 14, 14. Yeah. yeah so hebrews 12 14 is the one that says uh, to strive for holiness let me let me pull it up so hebrews 12 14 says to pursue peace with all men and the sanctification or holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So, and if we quote uh, Piper here, 
So Piper says this, Paul calls this effect or fruit or evidence of faith the, quote, work of faith. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 and the obedience of faith. Romans 1.5, 16.26. These works of faith and this obedience of faith, these fruits of the Spirit that come by faith are necessary for our final salvation. No holiness, no heaven. So here you'll notice he's saying the same thing that he said in 2 Thessalonians 2.13. He's making the fact that the fruit is necessary as public proof and forensic evidence in final judgment, which, as as you stated in the letter, is completely false, because that's not what the passage says. It says that we are sanctified by the Spirit, uh, chosen uh, to salvation by sanctification through sanctification by the Spirit. And so, but here's the other problem. He says, no holiness, no heaven. So what is he doing once again? He's making this passage talk about final judgment, which the passage has nothing to do with and so this is what's so disturbing because if he were to focus on passages that talk about final judgment like john 5 24 which says which which jesus said uh if those who believe shall not come into judgment he would be fine but he keeps picking these verses that have nothing to do with final judgment and so what what right. what is the deal with that well uh and the other thing is that they they have a wrong understanding of uh, sanctification, and this this has come up, and and it's really it's it's highly revealing um, when you talk to people, and it, it this is exactly why a lot of people are not seeing his error because they think that we are sa we are sanctified by doing good works by our good works. And so then the argument becomes faith alone, sola fide, is a principle that is applied to justification, but salvation is a broader theological concept that includes both justification and sanctification. And we are sanctified by doing good works. Therefore, in some sense, we are saved by doing good works. Now, one just has to think about that. Uh, I mean, it's a valid argument because the the conclusion does flow from the premise, but the premise is wrong. Um, one just has to think about that for for two minutes to to realize what you're saying. You're saying that you're that you're saved by what you do by your good works. Um, that's heresy. That's a false gospel. And so there's there's a a bit of confusion because fruits are the the fruits are works okay so so when we talk about the works uh, or the fruit of sanctification we're talking about good works we're talking about obedience to the law those good works are the fruit of sanctification the, we are not sanctified by doing good works we we are are sanctified by the word of god in john 17:17 17, 17, and we're sanctified by the spirit uh yeah so um, you 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 have in footnote four of your letter you you do a very thorough uh, distinction of what salvation means as opposed to justification, but you also quote uh, from the Westminster uh, Confession in chapter thirteen, which is on sanctification, and it says this: They who are once effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them are further sanctified really and personally 
through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection by his word and spirit dwelling in them. So, and then you continue. Good works are the result of sanctification, not its cause. Therefore, we are not saved by or through good works, even though sanctification is part of salvation. So, there's an important distinction that you... A lot of people have accused us of of not distinguishing between salvation and justification. And but you do that very thing in the article. Um, further up in that footnote, you even you address the that criticism directly. You say many of Piper's defenders have tried to argue that we are justified by faith alone, but salvation is not by faith alone because it includes justification and sanctification. They argue that sanctification includes works and therefore salvation includes works. This is what Greg Morse alluded to when he wrote Quote, what about being saved by faith alone? You're not. You're justified through faith alone. Final salvation comes through justification and sanctification. And you continue. The logic is simple. Salvation includes sanctification, and in sanctification we are sanctified by good works. Therefore, we are saved by good works. This is also why Piper said the fruit, which, def which he defines as works, is itself sanctifying, and we are saved through that fruit. Through that fruit. And then, like you just said, the argument is uh, you say it, it, it's valid, but the conclusion is false because the premise is false. And so, it's a very simple distinction that, th so there's a there's a problem with the fact that it's not, a th the issue is not so much conflating salvation with sanctification. The issue is, it's a misunderstanding of both justification and sanctification. Because we're obviously not sanctified by works. And we've talked about this before. We're sanctified indirectly by certain works that are conducive to uh, us receiving the word of God or the truth. And so, the, which is what the Reformed faith historically has called the means of grace. So the means of grace being uh, biblical preaching, the Lord's Supper, um, those means like prayer, all of those things are conducive to sanctification because they are means by which we receive the word and we fellowship with God. And so... It, it, the the problem is really basic. These people, the, people like Piper, they're mischaracterizing both justification and sanctification, and are eisegeting several of these passages to make them talk about final judgment and final salvation. When in reality, that's not at all what they're about. And just just to be clear and to summarize. When it, with regards to sanctification, we would say that works are conducive and instrumental to justification. They don't contribute to our sanctification. They only do so in an indirect sense, in an instrumental sense, in the same way that faith is instrumental in justification. It does not directly contribute. It is only an indirect means. It is the bridge by which we receive the truth of God's word. That's a very important distinction to keep in mind. And that's one that Piper and his ilk, these Federal Vision people and people like that, they blur that line and they, they completely fail to distinguish between law and gospel. Well, and the other thing, um, at the end of that footnote, I allude to Acts chapter 15. And one of the things that I find interesting is, you know, in Piper's clarification video, he says, you know, people hear this and they say works are necessary. These things are necessary for final salvation. And let's just be clear. If you're saying that something is necessary for final salvation, you're saying that something is necessary for salvation. Okay. 
Um, in order for you to be saved, this is, you know, he's saying that you need works and you need all of this stuff. And he says, if you haven't been well taught on these things, you know, you, you might say, whoa, uh, these things are necessary. Well, everything that Paul rages against in the book of Galatians that pertains to justification is also true of salvation. And so the question that I've, that I've asked people is, do you think that if the Judaizers had just come in and they said, well, yeah, no, no, Paul, you're right. You are justified by faith alone. So yeah, Paul's right, guys. You are justified by faith alone. We're talking about salvation. And we're saying that circumcision and good works are necessary for salvation, not justification. Do you think that that would have been acceptable? Because that's essentially what people are doing today. The answer is no. And this is why in, in footnote four, I, I pointed out Acts 15. One only has to read Acts 15 to realize that everything that Paul said about justification in, in the book of Galatians also applies to salvation. And starting in verse uh, one, it says, but some men came down from Judah and were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. It doesn't say justified, it says saved. You can't be saved. And Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. So they dissented from these guys. They separated themselves from these guys. And they, they had a, a no small debate with them. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way, by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. Listen to this. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it's necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. So these guys were saying, in order to be saved, these things are necessary. These things are necessary for salvation. That is exactly what Piper's saying. He's not saying circumcision. And what's, what's interesting is, you know, Rome, they don't require circumcision, but they say in order to be saved, uh, you have to do the this, this, and that. And they add to the gospel. They add to the finished work of Christ. Piper's doing the exact same thing. And so the argument, you know, the Bible repeatedly says we're saved by faith alone. So Carlos, you know, I, I wanted to, uh, did you, uh, did you want to talk about, uh, did you have another question for me or? Uh, yeah, I'm curious because you talked about, uh, one of the elders initially agreeing with you, uh, in the, in the, yes. when you sh brought your concerns to him. So what, what happened with him? So that was Pastor Robert, and, uh, and I had sent uh, him some stuff. And I had no intention of coming forward with this stuff. And one of the reasons that I, I had to go back and look at, like, okay, when did I send, like, look through my text messages, look through, um, you know, uh, Messenger, Facebook Messenger, look through all this stuff, and figure out, okay, when, when did I actually have this conversation? When did I send this? Um, what date was this? Because this needed to be well-documented. 
and established. And so I, I took screenshots um, and, and I, I hadn't done this. I, I just, you know, it, if you, Carlos, if you and I like look at our text messaging, we've got stuff from like a year ago that it's, you know, it keeps it in the feed. And so that's, that's what I did. And I, I went back and um, I, I, I remember it. I sent it to him early in the year. Um, and I, I sent him the stuff and, um, at first I, I think I just sent him, uh, an, uh, a podcast. And then after that, I sent him some other stuff and I, I didn't hear back from him. And it's always disappointing when, when you send somebody stuff like this and they don't respond and they don't, you know, give you any feedback. Um, that, that can be discouraging. And so at a birthday party that we both attended, we sat together and I said, I just casually asked, I said, what, so what did you think of the stuff that I, I sent on Piper? And he said, to my delight, he said, yeah, you're right. And he's like, I, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, he has a doctorate in, in theology and, and how could he be wrong on, on something like this? And, um, I was really delighted to get that response. And I put so much hope in that response because I thought, okay, at least one of the elders is seeing what I'm trying to point out. And maybe we can just like move away from Piper and, you know, not recommend the stuff. And so then later on, when, when uh, David Callendine, uh met with the elders to talk to them about his, uh, the, the stuff that he was having trouble with in the church, which one of the issues was Piper. Um, he, I asked him, I said, how did the meeting go? And, um, and I told him, I said, you know, Hey, Robert agrees with me. He sees the problem. So, and David said, you know, no, they all presented a united front and Robert didn't say anything. Robert didn't back me up. They presented a united front and, uh, and like basically said, you know, they, they don't agree. And, um, I was really disappointed with that. And I think what, what, what triggered me to ask for a meeting with the elders. And so, you know, you might be wondering, you know, why did I want to meet with them? What was the purpose of, of me meeting or, you know, what, what was I hoping to get out of it? I had, I had then said, well, okay. I, I told David, I said, well, I, I, I want to meet with them because I want to know where they're at because what really concerned me was uh, Pastor Raul Mesa's text to David, where he told David that maybe he should become, he encouraged David to become Piper's student. And that was really troubling to me because here we were trying to warn people away from Piper. And so I decided I need to meet with them because I need to find out, the, the purpose of, of me asking to meet with them was to find out, do you guys are you guys saying that, that you don't agree with me because you agree with what Piper says? I, I, it's, I mean, it might be offensive, but it's like, do you believe what he's, do you agree with what he's saying? And so I needed clarity. I needed to, to find out, okay, at some point is like Raul, Pastor Mesa, is he going to be preaching this? Is he going to be saying this stuff? Is he going to be, you know, putting me in that position where then 
you know, we're going to have to sit there in church and listen to a message about how we're not saved by faith alone and we don't get into heaven by faith alone. So I needed to find out where they, you know, I, I needed clarity. What, what do you guys believe? And then the other, the other reason was, was really just to persuade them was just to, I had printed out four, four, uh, articles from Piper. Um, I, I had the book and it was, I was going to take this stuff. I printed out copies for them and I wanted to, okay, let's go over this together. Let's, let's go over the articles. Let's talk about, Hey, he said this, right. He said this, right. Okay. Here's where he, he missed here. Here's where he, he missed it. Here's where he, he, uh, he missed the mark. Here's where he, you know, teaches something that's false. And so it was to persuade them and, I had no intentions of leaving. It was to persuade them. And if I couldn't persuade them, then it was to find out if they actually believed what Piper teaches, if they actually believed it, because if they believe it, then there's nothing really to stop them from actually teaching the same thing. And that in my mind is, um, I, I just would not be able to stay there. And, and even now, as I'm talking about this, I don't know, I don't know what Pastor Mesa believes about this. I don't know if he agrees with Piper. I don't know if he's going to start teaching the same thing. I hope not, because the day that they teach this false gospel, that church is going to die if it's not opposed immediately. And and what's interesting is like my my letter has gotten out to other churches, and one of the one of the men had asked. Um, he had asked somebody else for prayer. He said, you know, please pray for us or however he said it. He says, uh, he said, uh, our church is under attack. And basically they meant that it was under attack from me. And I was actually, we were, we were voted out of membership this last Sunday. So wait a minute. Wait, let me, let me get this straight. When did you leave? Uh, like over a month ago, I, I resigned and then the, so you the letter res- was, you resigned. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. What, and then what? Well, the, the, le- the letter was a formal resignation, which was published, I think on like the 25th of last month. Right. But you, and your, in your final conversation with Pastor Cliff, you told him you were leaving, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, so, I, and what's funny is like, I actually told them that I was going to go to your church. Yeah. And that, and then apparently like in, um, in the meeting and you know, I talked to several people and, um, and this is how I know this and the members meeting, they said, they don't know where we're going to church. And then they voted us out. That, that's what like, I don't understand. Like, this is what I don't understand. Why on earth did they vote you out when you left a month ago? I'm not following that. I don't. So I, I, I thought that was funny too. We weren't the only ones who were voted out. Um, so this, since we, they, they implemented church membership, this is the first time that I think that somebody's left since they implemented church membership. And here's the thing that people need to understand is we weren't the only, uh, people that left. There were two other families that left and there was another uh, lady that left and she was having very similar issues. Basically everybody that left, left for very similar issues, some of them, the same issues. And, um, and you know, the church, so people who've heard my story, 
they know that I come from a Roman Catholic family and people in my family, I'm not close to them. I don't talk to them. So my, my church is my family. And so when somebody leaves from, you, you know, the church, when somebody leaves from the family, that should be a big deal. You shouldn't just, I mean, I made a, a commitment to them. It shouldn't be, you know, you know, we're, we're just going to up and leave because, you know, um, right. But you told them like three times you, you told Pastor Cliff, you said in the letter, I mean, you made it very clear and then right they it's almost like oh you can't quit you're fired but you left a month ago yeah it seems and that way and, and so it, it seems it seems that way and I, I don't know why they why they feel like they need to vote people out who've already left so does that mean what does that yeah so what does that entail does that mean that you're never allowed to come back i, I don't understand no i i don't think that i i I do think that it would be difficult for some people to see me <laughs> right now because uh, somebody said, you know, pray for us because our church is under attack. And they said that in the meeting, they said that I had attacked them on social media. And unfortunately, it, this just highlights the confusion again, because they think that what I've done is attack them. And that's not true. Their, their church is certainly under attack. Um, do you remember, and I forgot to look it up, what, what's the passage that says we're not supposed to be ignorant of the, the schemes of the devil? 2 Corinthians 2.11. Can you read it? So, 2 Corinthians 2, uh, verses 10 and 11 says this, But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ so that no advantage will be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So we're not supposed to be ignorant of the schemes of the devil. In Genesis chapter 3, from the very beginning, this is how Satan has operated. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. Notice it says he was crafty. In, I think the King James, it says subtle. He's very subtle. He's very crafty. So, Carlos, any discerning Christian would recognize that our culture is under attack. Our culture, the, the, whatever remnants of Christianity are in our culture, are certainly under attack. The LGBT agenda is front and center, and they are, it's just an assault on the family. It's an assault on the word of God, it's an, there, there is just an unrelenting assault on our culture. Our culture is under tremendous attack. So what if I told you that recently Disney just came out with its very first ever transgender character? Not a surprise. Not a surprise, but did you catch it? In Toy Story 4, there's a character who's trans. And I took my kids to watch the movie, and I completely missed it. I completely missed it. Until later, we went to the store, and I my, my kids were wanting some of the toys. And I looked down, and I saw Forky, the beloved character in Toy Story 4. And I noticed on his foot, there was the LGBT rainbow. And I thought, that's weird. Why is there a rainbow on Forky's foot? 
And so then I, I looked into it a little bit more and I realized, okay, he's not a fork. He's not a spoon. He's, he's a spork and he identifies as a fork. And this is actually the, the spork is actually uh, been used before as a symbol for transgenderism. And I realized, oh, that rainbow is there purposefully on his foot because they're identifying him with the LGBT agenda. And it's very subtle and it's very crafty. And as I started to research this, I noticed a lot of people, when you, when you try to talk to them about this, a lot of people dismiss it. Oh, come on. Like that, like what you've never seen a spork. And it's like, yeah, I've seen a spork. I, I, I know that it's a real thing. They used to uh, give them away at Wendy's whenever you'd get the, uh, uh, their, beans or whatever you you could get it with a spork like yes i know that there's a silverware called a spork but people dismiss it and they don't realize that there's there's an agenda behind this because it's very subtle and it's very crafty and so when i was writing the the letter one of the things that i took issue with was the fact that they were actually using john piper's material um in the the eldership program to train their elders and um, it, it's from Bethlehem College. And, you know, when I was talking to Pastor Clift about this, he said, you know, what's the big deal if we use uh, material from Bethlehem College? And I, I said, well, it's written by Piper. And so as I was writing the letter, I started to read through the material. And I only got about, um, I, I, I didn't get all the way through it. And, and so I realized, okay. What I want to do is I want to do a, a word search and I want to just see if final salvation, final justification or any of this stuff is actually mentioned in the, the material that they're using for the eldership program. And so I did a word search. Nothing came up on final justification, final salvation. And so I thought, OK, I'm still going to take issue with this because the Bible's very clear to mark them and avoid them. That's not being done. You know, it's not wise to use material from somebody who's who's a false teacher because something can be slipped in and it's very subtle and it's very crafty the way that things are being being slipped in and so you know i I just said i'm going to trust in the lord that you know we should we should mark them and avoid them i mean you know we we don't learn from them in this way if you want to use his material as a for a class on discernment like you know okay that might be a little bit different, but we don't learn, we don't use heretics material in this way. Yeah, I think what what we would say is you sh- if you're going to read a, a false teacher, you should read him with the understanding and with the awareness that he's a false teacher. And so you basically have to take whatever they say with a grain of salt. Right. Because if it, it, you, you don't read it, on the assumption or the presumption that they're okay right or that there there's there's nothing wrong with them which i think is what you're getting at well so after after i wrote the letter i i realized they said you know what i want to go back over that material and i said but this time instead of looking at you know keywords like final salvation final justification i want to i want to see if he talks about some of the key passages that we've just talked about because he's famous for harping on these passages. Um, you know, the Hebrews uh, 12 passage, the uh, the passage in Thessalonians, Matthew 7, James 2. And so I looked up, uh, I, I did a word search in, for Hebrews 12, 
Hebrews 12, 14. And I was astonished. I was shocked. This is what's in their material for the eldership program. It, under, under section 9, the section is titled, Above Reproach, Elders Qualification in the World, Introduction. It says, Hebrews 12.4 exhorts all Christians to strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The holiness mentioned in this verse is not the holiness that we have in our initial justification. Carlos, this is incredibly subtle. What in the world is our initial justification? Logically, if we have an initial justification, then there's a future justification or a final justification. Yeah, he, he, he uses those terms in the article by Christianity Today when they're compared to anti-rights view, which I think Kaufman, he points out in his article. So, I mean... Exactly. And so... Here, if somebody wants to say, oh, he doesn't teach final justification or future justification, you're committing the word concept fallacy. The word, and I made the mistake, I looked for final salvation, final justification, future justification. I looked for all these terms and those terms weren't there. But the concept certainly is here because it says that this holiness is not the holiness that we have in our initial justification. So it's very subtle. You know, in the exact same way that they're they're assaulting our our kids' minds with these false notions of you know transgenderism, and they're they're putting the rainbow flag on on Forky's uh, foot or whatever to to identify that this is you know this is an LGBT agenda uh, move here. In the same way that the culture is being assaulted. Yeah, I would I would agree with that individual who said that their church is under attack. It's under attack from a false teacher who's being brought in, who's talking about our initial justification, which isn't even even a biblical concept because it's Rome who separates uh, initial justification and final justification. And so you have this this idea that's being brought in very subtly and very craft it's very crafty and very subtle. That's that's already putting into your mind that justification that is is that there's a, an initial justification and there's a future justification, and this is the doctrine of of double justification. This is this is an attack on the gospel, and so this is why this is why Paul warns us to mark those and avoid those who cause controversy because these things are brought in, and they're they're very subtle at first, but they can have catastrophic effects yeah you, you know and this is still really bothering me so when they 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 so when they took the time to vote you out you were not there obviously you had already left no 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 yeah no of course not and, and well so you were not there and of they probably painted you in a very negative light so i don't know everything that happened um and that and we don't have to so here's my point we don't have to know you weren't there and that's my point they were taking advantage of the fact that you weren't there and then they took a vote and i guess 
So what does that mean? You didn't officially leave until they voted you out? That sounds like Rome's model of the church. Like, you have no authority as an individual. The church has to officially vote you out? What if they had voted you to stay? Would you have would you have been obligated to come back? What does that even mean? No, they they weren't going to uh they weren't going to uh vote me to stay. Yeah, but that's but that's like that's a ridiculous like why would they even bother? Is my point. Like if they had voted you to stay, what yeah, would that I don't, mean? I don't know. I, I don't. The, did they even think about that? I don't. Like, it I don't even know why. Sense. I don't know it, why they. A, I don't know why they felt like they needed to vote me out, but. What what I did find interesting, and this is what I wanted to get back to, is, um, and I found this to be downright appalling, and uh, man, this just angers me. The members were told to not read, or they were encouraged to not read the letter that I wrote to them, because it was divisive. And this was when they voted you out, right? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The leadership there has like no concept of church discipline. Why would you do that when the individual is not even there? You're, so they're taking advantage of the fact that you're not there and they're disregarding your own decision to leave in the first place. It sounds like they're almost like they're trying to save face or find a way to sort of give the, the appearance that they're under control when in reality they're not. Well... First, first, what they they did is that they said that I attacked them on social media. That's wrong. You know, I took you to task. Your church is un, th- their church is under attack from false teaching. What what we just read about our initial justification is a compromise on the gospel. Um, there's no such thing as our initial justification that's distinct from, and, and this is not the holiness that we have in our initial justification. So it's it's the holiness that comes. After our initial justification, there, there's this. This is false. There's no such thing as our initial justification versus some future justification. Their their church is is under attack, and the, this is a very subtle and very crafty attack that is that is coming in through false teaching. And the purpose, you know, it's like, yeah, I took I took them to task, and and I I wanted to make sure that they that they could not. Um, offer up any excuses as to why they're continuing to promote Piper. And the reason that, um, you know, uh, that I, I did this is because, you know, clearly nothing was going to change. They, they were, they were going to keep, you know, recommending him. They were going to keep using his material. Um, and, and so nothing was going to, nothing was going to change, but here's, here's why this is so wrong. First of all, um, like going back to uh, Romans sixteen seventeen, it says to mark them and avoid them who cause division. Well, I was I was accused of being divisive, and their understanding of that verse is precisely backwards because the the people who are divisive are the people who are bringing in the false teaching, not the people who are def- who are offended by it, or who are trying to defend the truth. And so, what false teacher did I bring into the church? What false doctrine did I bring in? And I'm not talking about secondary doctrines. I'm talking about, you know, what it's, wh- who did I bring in that, that has laid an affront on the gospel? Nobody. Nobody. And so what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to mark those who cause division by teaching contrary to the word of God. 
not mark those who are offended by it and trying to call it to your attention. Uh, this is this is really like this is really offensive and really troubling. Uh, Titus, uh, Titus two, oh Titus one, sorry, in Titus one. So un- under the qualifications for eldership, starting in verse nine, it says he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and to also rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate and insubordinate to the word of God and insubordinate to the truth, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. So Piper is of the circumcision party. He's the one who's, who's insubordinate to the truth. He's the empty talker. He's the deceiver, not me. And it says they must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what ought not to be, what they ought not to teach. And when I talked to Pastor Clift in our last conversation, I want people to know this. Like, I begged for him to meet with me. And I said, please meet with me. Please, like, let's let's talk about this. And at one point I even said, look, I'll drive to your house right now to meet with you. And he laughed about it and he said, I'm not even at my house. And, um, and I was like, okay, that's not helpful. Like, obviously I'm willing to drive to wherever you're at. And if not today, then some other day, like I'll meet with you. I'll even take, I even said I'd take time off from work. Like I'll meet with you to, to go over this stuff. I begged for him to meet with me. I said, let's have a conference call with, uh, you know, one of the things that he kept saying was, was, uh, that, you know, all of the people that I've talked to, like Mark Dever, they don't seem to think that this is what Piper's trying to say. And I said, well, let's have a conversation with, with Mark Dever. Like let's, let's party line him. I I said, let me come alongside you. I, I want to confront this issue with you. I want to persuade you. And he, he said, no, he said, we're, we're, we're done talking. We're not going to meet. We're going to, um, and I, I, I told him, I said, look, you've been using this stuff. You guys have recommended him. Stuff has, has come into our church, which has uh, his, his doctrine of final salvation. I said, you have an obligation to, to confront this and to refute it. And I said, look, I'll, I'll even draft the letter. I'll even like, I'll, I'll take the arguments for, for you. I'll do this for you. Like, let me just come alongside you and we can tackle this together. And he said, no, he said, we're, we're, we're not going to do that. We're, we're done talking about it. And it reminded me a lot of like my, my Roman Catholic family where I'm, I'm begging them, like, please just look at the word of God with me. Like, look at what the Bible says. And let's compare that with what the Roman Catholic church says. And these guys, they, they shut me down in the exact same way. They say, we're not talking about it. Conversation's over. We're done. We're not going to look at it. We're not even, and it's like, you won't even have the conversation. And, and, you know, I, I told him, he, he said, you know, you can call me a coward. And I'm like, I'm not going to call you a coward. I, I don't know why you're not willing to do this. I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to, you know, say, say anything like that. I don't know why you're not willing to do this. And then I found, I found it to be astonishing because the ones who are supposed to be silenced in, in the, the, 
passage of scripture that we just read are the ones who are teaching the false gospel. And what they did instead was they chose to try to silence me by telling their members not to read the letter that I wrote. Really what they're doing is rather than silencing the the offender who's who's preaching a false gospel and it's it's like here's the thing pastor clift would often say well i'm not sure what he's trying to say well if that's true then that means that that he's a foreigner to you if you if you don't know what he's trying to say about how to get into heaven or about how to be saved in the final day then why are you recommending him why is one of your elders telling another church member that he should become his student. You, you, you've said multiple times you don't even know what he's trying to say. So if that's true, then he's a foreigner to you on the most important issue of all time, the gospel. What's going to happen to you when you die? You're going to go to heaven? You're going to have enough good works? What are you going to be trusting in? What are you going to be relying on? And so rather than, it's so interesting. It's like, okay, so obviously you can warn people about somebody. And obviously you can try to silence what, what they're saying publicly. But it's, it's me. It's not Piper. And that's who it should have been. You should have, you should have warned your members. We encourage you not to read John Piper because he's confusing on some aspects of the gospel. He has some confusing statements. We, you know, you should have said something like that, but you know, it's like, okay, well I, I did take them to task. And so now it, it's like, you guys got this completely precisely backwards and every member there should read the letter and then confront them about it and say, Hey, what's up with this? You know, these were our friends and now they've 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 left over this issue of the gospel one thing that is really disappointing about all of this is that you were a member in good standing in the church you had a concern you had a a very you clearly expressed the fact that you had a serious concern about this uh about john piper and the influence and the way he was kind of going under the radar in the in in the church and rather than take you seriously and sit down with you and hear you out like they should have they basically said no well and and let me tell you the the defense for that so the defense was from clift was i did hear you out i met with you and the problem with that was well yeah but we were there primarily to reconcile. We really didn't go over the material very well. I just had a few quotes. Um, and so yeah, that would be, that would be the defense. Yeah. We, d- I did meet with you, but I never, I never spoke to uh, Pablo about the material. Like specifically, we never went through it. We talked about it. He said, he just said he vehemently disagreed. And, um, but we never actually sat down and went through it. I never sat down and went through it with, with Raul Mesa. I never sat down and went through it with, uh, with Robert. I, I briefly sat down and went through some quotes with, with Pastor Clift. And so, you know, we're talking about the gospel. And 
I was I was just shocked. I was like, you you don't want to sit down and meet with me. And, and the truth is, yeah, I, I I fully intend to. I said, let me make a case. Let me make a case in front of you guys. And I fully intended to win that case. I fully intended to say, look, here's what Piper says. Here's what the defense is. Here's why it's wrong. Um, and I, I, you know, I fully intended to, to argue a case to win. And I said, I'm not, I'm not hiding that. I, I, it's not, it's not to say like, you know, oh, I'm going to, I'm better. I'm going to win. It's to persuade you to show you that he is wrong in what he says about the gospel. So it was, this whole thing has been extremely painful. It's been extremely hurtful. You know, I, I, I get that they don't, um, they probably don't want anything to do with me. I, I get that. I understand that they feel like they've been attacked. They haven't been attacked. Uh, I mean, I did say, you know, it's a biblical, biblical expectation that you, you know, do your job and your job requires you to call out a false teacher if he's in your midst. And, you know, the reason I I told Cliff this as well, I said, you know, Paul says in, in Galatians, he says, we did not yield even for one hour or even for a moment. Uh, And I asked him, I said, you know why he didn't yield even for a moment? He said, so that the truth might continue with you. And so that should be our motivation. And look, I'm not going to yield this. I'm not going to give in. And, and the reason why is because I want the truth of the gospel to continue with horizon Christian fellowship. I want the truth of the gospel to continue with the members there. That's, that's why, you know, this is the hill that you die on. And, you know, I hope, I hope that explains the the situation. Um, So I'm really hoping that this is sort of a a situation similar to the the situation that happened between Mark and uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul. Uh, you know, during the first missionary journey, um, Mark accompanies Paul, and during that missionary journey, he abandons them. And then on the second missionary journey, Barnabas wants to take Mark with him, and Paul objects. He says, no, he wasn't with us he abandoned us the first time. And so he, he really, Paul, Paul did not want him to be a part of his ministry. He didn't want him to go on the missionary journey with them. But later on, we see that there's reconciliation between Paul and Mark because in second Timothy, uh, chapter four, verse 11, um, he, Paul, uh, Paul says, get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me in ministry. And so, it's a beautiful picture of gospel reconciliation. We see this in scripture where two people have a falling out and then because of the gospel, they're later restored. And that's, that's what I'm hoping for with these gentlemen. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to, I'm not going to retract a single word from the, the letter that I wrote, but I'm hoping that eventually they'll, they'll come to recognize that Piper has detracted from the gospel and we can be reconciled to each other as brothers. Um, that's my prayer and that's my hope. You know, I, I don't hold any hard feelings. I don't hold any animosity. Um, I I want to move on from this. We're, we're now at um, the Old Paths Christian Fellowship. Uh, we are members. 
there. Um, I, I asked uh, Pastor Joe to reinstate our membership. He said he would. So that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much it. Did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask, Carlos, or does that pretty much cover it? No, I was going to close with a comment that, unfortunately to me, it seems more, the situation seems more closely akin to what happened with people like uh, Gresham Machen. And the reason I say that is because as you were explaining yourself, I suddenly, and making the connections between the way they handled uh, the, the, the issue of voting you out, it kind of reminded me of something I read from John Robbins in uh, can, the can the Orthodox Presbyterian Church Be Saved? So I want to close with the quote from, from that article. Uh, Robbins says this, uh, First of all, let us look at the fundamentalist performance in the last 20 years. As modernism made inroads in the larger denominations, small groups of fundamentalists here and there became disgusted and Rather than take up the disagreeable task of fighting for the purity of their denominations, quietly withdrew to form independent Bible churches. Some, not even willing to withdraw, simply closed their eyes to the denominational situation and quietly went to sleep in the false security of their local congregations. Both courses of action injured the cause of Christ and in several ways. The withdrawal of Bible-believing Christians from the denominations made the progress of modernism all the easier, so that when some noble men like Dr. Machen, attempted to resist the infidelity in the church, not only were false charges brought against them, but they were also tried and condemned in ecclesiastical courts without being the, given the simple justice of a hearing, without being permitted to present their defense. So, sadly to me, that's what it sounds more like. And, you know, I hope they recognize that they handled the situation incorrectly and I would hope that they would recognize the error of their ways and the fact that um, they are allowing a wolf to tear apart their flock and they will give an account to God for that and you will be a witness you know you were a witness who was trying to be faithful and trying to show them that this man is dangerous his teaching is dangerous and you were not taken seriously so it's uh, it's kind of it's it is sad and and you know I share your sentiments I hope things work out but it, it you know the way things the way these situ situations tend to happen you know it tends to go in the other direction but you're right it it does and and one of the you know I need to make it very clear um what am I saying uh this needs to be very clear I am not saying that they're not brothers. I, I do regard them as brothers. Um, I am saying that if you're not willing to do this, this task of defending the gospel or, and here's the thing, let's, let's just real quickly go back to the, the statements, uh, you know, where pastor Clift repeatedly said, well, I don't know. I'm not sure what Piper's trying to say. We're talking about the gospel. So if you don't know what he's trying to say, you have an obligation to not use him, not recommend him. But um, even just remaining silent, even just remaining silent in the midst of all, of all of this is dereliction of your duty as an under shepherd. And that's clearly 
there's a biblical expectation in uh, you know in Paul's writing to to Titus that that you rebuke them that you refute them that you silence them who you know who teach false doctrine what false doctrine did i teach none and yet you seek to silence me and you turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to everything that's going on with Piper. And you don't warn your people uh, away from Piper. If that's the case, and if that's going on, then you're not meeting the qualifications of an elder. And you're, you're, you're not qualified. That's, that's all there is to it. That, that is what I'm saying. Um, the other thing that I need to be very clear on is I pray for this church. I, I, I do care about the people there, but at the end of the day, um, this is a dividing issue. Yeah. It's already what's been, what's has, what needed to be said has been said. So that's uh, hopefully people will judge for themselves and people should be allowed to judge for themselves. I think it's irresponsible to tell people not to read certain things that that's just like the papacy and that's what's so bothersome about this you don't it, it's more the responsible thing to do is to address the criticisms directly rather than go about it in a roundabout way and saying don't read it it's divisive because first of all that doesn't deter people from actually reading it um and second of all you're not dealing with the substance of the issues that were presented in the first place so um yeah, it's it's disappointing, but um, uh, for what it's worth, I'm glad you're with us. I'm glad that you're you're at our church, and I hope we can, hopefully, reconciliation will come about. That is our prayer. Um, but we'll just have to take it from you know, day by day. Yeah, um, and you know the other thing is, uh, Paul wrote about how he confronted Peter to his face. And he put that in scripture for all the church to see and for it to be there for all time. And I'm pretty sure that Peter's over it. I'm pretty sure that Peter got over it. So I think that eventually these guys will get over the fact that I've taken them to task. Um, and again, the reason that this needed to be brought to light and brought out is because the gospel is at stake and Clift made it clear we're not going to do anything we're not going to the the conversation's over it's done we're we're not going to call them out so we're just going to continue on with business as usual and the the real danger is if if this eventually comes in then which it it already has but um the real danger is if, if this isn't confronted, if this isn't dealt with, people are going to be confused about the gospel, confused about how to get to heaven, confused about the final judgment. And I mean, what a, what a tragedy. God has given these people to you to look after them. And, you know, I'm just going to say it again. Shame on whoever it was that said not to read the letter. Shame on you for trying to silence me and for remaining silent about Piper. 
It's it's appalling. Um, so it's going to be a little weird the next time I run into them or see them. That's going to be a little weird. I don't even know if they're going to listen to this whole thing. I doubt they will. I think that they're just moving on and they're done with this. But, um, yeah, so... Um, I guess with that, we'll just go ahead and close out. Unless, do you have any other questions? Um, no, I think we're good. Um, but I think we covered everything we needed to. All right, then. Um, this was a difficult episode. It's definitely going to be a difficult episode to uh, to publish. Um, again, you know, I just want to say that nobody likes this. Nobody enjoys this. And I'm... I'm sorry that it had to be this way, but um, it is what it is. So hope uh, hope to catch everybody next time. We'll check you later. God bless. <laughs>